Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to the Firetime Podcast. Well, as you know, in season 11 here, we are in the middle of a series on the seven steps of the sales process revisited. And in today's episode, we are going to dive deep on step four. Now, just to give a little bit of a recap, we went through these seven steps early, early on during the podcast, and I felt like I wanted to hit them again just in my travel recently. I've just been reminded again and again how needed having a sales process is, and I want to just dive deep on each step. To give a recap of the seven steps, you got to remember that these steps work in a series, and it's like a baton pass in a relay race. One leads to the next, leads to the next, leads to the next, and it doesn't matter how good you are, quote unquote, at sales if you drop the baton from one step to the next. It doesn't matter how fast you run if it's a messy handoff and you drop the baton because sales is a game of momentum. And at the end of the day, if momentum starts to stall, it's very, very hard to recover and finish well. So when it comes to sales, we want to start slowly and build momentum, giving clean baton passes each step of the way. And so as follows are the seven steps in the sales process. Step one, we greet the customer. Step two, we take the time to understand their problem. Step three, we advise a solution. Step four, we explain the process. Step five, we call to action. Step six, we pursue the opportunity. And step seven, we show gratitude. If we can do those things, our chances of having success go way up. Now, in today's episode, I sit down with someone who I've just met recently named Jonah Lindley from Ashbuster's Chimney Service in Tennessee. And me and Jonah met at the NCSG Chimney Show earlier this year. And I was teaching a sales course and he was in it. We ended up talking afterwards. And as we've gotten to know each other more, I've just been so impressed with how he is just a student of the game. And as you're going to hear in this conversation, like he lives and breathes sales every single day in the field as a chimney technician. As we talk about step four today, I think that us explaining the process to the customer really comes out during in-home appointments. And it's going to be really evident why as we jump into this conversation. But what step four in the process is, this is a step in the process in particular that's really, really easy to implement. There's some steps that are difficult. They take a lot of time and a lot of practice, but step four, explain the process is something you can start doing tomorrow. And essentially in step four of the sales process, as momentum builds, we are telling the customer what steps they need to take to solve their problem. We break that down into three steps. Step one, you do this. Step two, you do this. And step three, you do this. And if those things happen, your problem's gonna be solved. Now, in this conversation, we're gonna dive specifically into how you do this in a showroom situation and what it looks like in the field. Now, I definitely have some thoughts on the back end. I wanna dive a little bit deeper into the nuance and the mechanics of this process. But first, I want you to hear this conversation because this is really powerful. So with that said, I'm gonna step out of the way and I'll share some thoughts on the back end. 
Joining me from Knoxville, Tennessee, is the branch manager for the Knoxville location of Ashbuster's Chimney Service. I'm here today with Jonah Lindley. How you doing, Jonah? Good, Tim. How are you? I'm good. Man, I'm really glad that you're here. It's been awesome getting to know you a little bit over these last couple of months as we've been chatting in, in sales meetings. I'm really pumped for this conversation. Yeah, dude, I'm super grateful that you thought of me to be a guest on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, okay, as we get started here, you come from a, a different branch of the industry than where I was brought up. So our, our industry is kind of, you know, divided like the Hatfields and the McCoys between the chimney sweep and service side and the hearth retail store side. And uh, that gap is is slowly being bridged, but they're two very different worlds. And I'd love to hear about your journey of, of how like getting into the chimney side of the industry and, and, and kind of what you do now. Um, so I kind of grew up just north of Chicago and knew I didn't want to go into like formal education after high school because um, of lack of success in high school. The trades kind of just made sense. Both my grandparents were mechanics and found a couple different companies to work with in the Chicagoland area and then ended up realizing only being able to work eight months out of the year there, um, taxes, weather, Nashville, Tennessee made sense for a move for yeah. me early on. I moved to Nashville and I just happenstance end up finding Ashbusters, getting hired on. And what I love about the chimney industry is that it kind of combines a lot of the trades into one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear that. And one of the things that I've really appreciated as I've gotten to know more and more companies on the chimney side is I feel like chimney companies take their customers really seriously in general, like, like customer service and taking care of that customer and also making the most of the opportunity is a really, really big deal. And so how long have you been working for Ashbusters now? Since 2017. So, or 2018. So just five years. Yeah. Five I years. I still consider myself. Green. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're when you're working with people that have been doing it for thirty, you know, I, I understand that. But five years is enough time to get some experience. And so, like, as an example, uh, with you running the Knoxville branch, what does your day to day look like? Right now, I've been able to get to I would say two of the three kind of leaky chimney calls or known issue leads of this or what I run a lot of in Knoxville. And then outside of the sales leads that I'd run, you know, managing the rest of the team. Sure. So production, the other sales guys that we have here, office, the warehouse, every, everything else. Yeah. And, and still managing two to three calls a day. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that's a lot. That's a lot. Well, I'm really glad you're here. And what this episode, you know, is going to dive deep on is step four of the sales process. So we've spent some time chatting about this over the last few months as I've been popping on to some of the Ashbusters calls just to talk about the process holistically. And today we're going to talk specifically about step four. I think that there's some serious gold in step four, which is explain the process. But I guess first, like just, just out of curiosity, since we've really been talking about the sales process holistically, like what uh what has that confirmed for you or what has that illuminated for you so when i heard your presentation at ncsg this year the number one golden nugget i took away from that was step four of the process 
you know, my best version of it is, so I'm going to go out to the truck. I'm going to get these numbers together. Like we talked about when I come back in, we're going to go over the numbers. If you like the numbers, I can call the office. I can get our next availability. If you like that date, we can go ahead and get you scheduled right there on the, on the spot. Having that forward progression in the call has helped me move my sales from, you know, a conversation to a close. Yeah. And then if I don't get a yes while I'm there, I know a lot more about whether they're interested in moving forward, yeah. depending on their answer about the, the numbers and the dates. And then having an escape route, if you will, with being able to lock in a date for a 24 hour period, I've closed numerous sales that way. Yeah. So it's been super helpful in, in practice. Dude, that's so awesome to hear. You know, I think that that this step in particular is one that doesn't take a lot to put it into action and the results are almost instantaneous. You know, in the sales process, when you think about the steps, like, you know, step two being understand the customer's problem, I feel like that's a major behavior shift to focus from product pushing to understanding. And, and while it will absolutely transform sales it's going to take time and discipline and behavior and practice to really make that shift. Step four, explain the process to me is like, dude, you can start doing this tomorrow and see a difference with it. And, you know, this concept comes from a book by Donald Miller called Building a Story Brand. He's a Nashville guy and he calls it make a plan. Every customer needs a plan. And as I was thinking about it, I like, I like the language of explain the process in our context because customers haven't bought this before. And so they don't necessarily know what's next. And I think that in our world, and I want to approach this from both the hearth retail store side and from the service technician side in the field, but whichever side you're coming in on, the customer is apprehensive because they don't exactly know what it costs yet. They're not sure what's involved and they don't want to be taken advantage of. And so there's times where we, with a good intention, say, oh, can I write you up an estimate for this? And the customer's like, oh, no, 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 I, I've got the ballpark in my head of what you said it would be. Or we say, hey, let me uh, let me get back to you with an estimate on this. And And what's happening is either us or the customer is just simply pushing the decision down the road and it's, and it's motivated by fear. Either the customer's afraid, well, no, if I get the estimate, they might, I don't know, they might, they might ask me to buy or it's, it, it, it's going to commit me. And for us as the salesperson, we're either afraid, I'm not going to have enough time to make it to the next appointment. Uh, this is going to take too long. I might make a mistake. So I'll just tell them, I'll, I'll send them the estimate. And either way, what happens is when we push that decision out, the sale loses momentum. And it's like sales is a game of momentum where momentum has to build Otherwise, it, it dies. And that's why it's been so impactful for me. Couldn't agree more. That's, yeah, that's why it's been a, a huge help for for me. And I think the rest of our team, too. We've got really great, personable people in our company that are good at talking to people. They're good at, at winning new friends. They are experts in the field. They know what the right solution is. We just lacked an effective way to move people from knowing that they have an issue to understanding how we can help them solve their issue and then moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And I mean, like, 
you know, you sent me a sales call that I actually just finished listening to earlier today. And I'm listening to it thinking like, dude, like Jonah knows how to talk to people. He knows how to connect with people. And so when you take that natural likability and expertise and you combine it with step four to clearly give the customer a path forward, something really cool happens. So, okay. So you just explained how, how you do step four. And I want to, I want to break this down. This is the point now where exactly what you just did, you broke the remainder of the job into three steps and, and really quick, can you hit like, what were those specific steps again that you just laid out? Like, give me step one, step two, and step three. Yeah. So once I advise the solution, then I'm going to go to the truck and I'm going to put the numbers together. So when I come back in, we can go over those numbers today. And if you like them, I can call the office and figure out what our next availability is going to be to get out here and get the work done. If those dates work for you, we can get you on the schedule today, get a plan to get this taken care of. Yeah. Dude, that's so good, right? So so step one was we're going to review the quote. Step two is if those numbers look good, we'll call the office and we'll check our next available installation date. And then step three, if you feel comfortable moving ahead, we can get this scheduled today so you can check it off your list. And like the clarity of showing the customer, hey, this is what we're going to do. Hey, first, I'll put together the quote and we'll review it. Second, if those numbers look good, we can check the next available installation date. I love this because, you know, as the customer, they know what's next and they know they don't have to buy yet, right? So it's like, I can get the quote and it's free to call the office and check the installation date. But like for you as the technician, if you present the numbers and then ask, hey, do you want to call in and get an installation date? And they say no, like, I mean, that tells you so many things. Like what, like, what does that tell you specifically? Well, I think what's great about it is it opens the opportunity to continue asking questions in that part of the process, at least. Like if they say no on the date part, well, I'll ask a question like, is this about what you were expecting this to look like financially? And and hopefully just try and uncover a little more layers of truth along along the way and if they give you a no it's not the end of the world now because you've got a roadmap to move the call forward and not lose momentum still yeah yeah that, that's so good and I, and I love the way that you said that too because for me if you know if someone's cleared their schedule and they've invited a chimney technician out to their house they genuinely have a problem because no one calls up a chimney company because they have nothing better to do. Like they have a problem of some kind and they genuinely want that problem solved. And when you offer a free service, like, well, should we call and check the date? To me, if they say no, 99% of the time they have an issue with the price. I mean, or they're leaving on vacation for six months, but it's, it's almost always the price. And the way that you said that of like, hey, that's no problem. Um, How does this fit with the expectations of what you were planning on spending for this project? That's such an innocent question. And sometimes people say, well, how come you don't want the date? And for the customer, it's like, dude, like, what are you like? That's none of your business, you know? But when you can just ask the question of like, yeah, how does this fit with the expectation of what, of what you were planning to spend on the project? That's a very curious question that someone can just say, oh man, it's it's actually quite a bit outside the budget. And now you you can start to dive into that. Yeah, that's, that's really, really good. And I've had experiences in the past in this step where somebody said, you know, I've, I like the solution that we talked about, but now that I'm seeing the cost that's associated with it, 
I'm feeling like we might need to think of this through again. Yeah. And that's, that's valid. And ultimately I want to provide the best service that I can yeah. for the homeowner that I'm with. And so having the opportunity, like I said, uncover that truth is really powerful and being able to ultimately give the best service you can as a service provider. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a good question. There's a sales book. I might've mentioned this earlier in this podcast season, but there's a, sale, a sales book I read recently that is called Let's Get Real or Let's Not Play. And one of the concepts that they talk about is the concept of yellow lights. And it's the idea that like with a customer, there can be a green light, a red light, or a yellow light. A green light is they buy. A red light is they are not going to buy from you. They're done. And a yellow light is everything in between. And one of the problems is customers don't always tell us where their yellow lights are. And oftentimes, like in a showroom setting, you might give them information and they might go, oh, okay, thanks. We'll let you know. But really what's going on in their mind is, oh my gosh, I can't believe these costs so much. But but they don't want to tell you and like insult you or make themselves sound like they don't have money. So they just smile, nod, leave and never come back to you again. The same thing happens in, in, in home appointments as well. So I feel like that question of step two being, well, if those numbers look good, we can call the office and check the next available installation date. Uh, do you want to go ahead and call the office? You're uncovering a potential yellow light right there that tells you so much about where the customer's at. When you lay that path out clearly for them, I think it just removes a lot of fear. And it's almost like you're on a highway with a customer, momentum's building, and you're telling them, hey, if you don't get off this highway, we're going to go here and then here, and then here. But don't worry, you can take this off-ramp if you don't want to. And if we get here, you can take this off-ramp, but if you don't, hey, here's where we're moving, and and it's going to end with your problem being solved. And I think that that's such an appropriate amount of pressure. It's letting them know, we are going somewhere, but don't worry, you can take the off-ramp anytime you want. Dude, that's so good. And there's also a lot of scenarios for me personally where I'm really not talking to a person who's in a position to make a decision with me today. And like to take that pressure off of them before you even get there, I think makes that client trust you even more. Yeah. We'll get back to our conversation with Jonah Lindley in just one second. Hey, if you've been listening to the podcast this season and are trying to figure out how to put this in action for your business, the final episode of this season is a Q&A episode, and I would love to tackle any questions that are sent in. And these episodes are some of my absolute favorite because they allow me to give extra nuance and context that we're not always able to give during a normal episode. So if you have questions about yourself, about your team, about your customers, and how to apply the steps in the sales process, you can send those in to tim at itsfiretime.com. That's tim at itsfiretime.com. Pushing into this a little bit further, so you talked about how you kind of keep in your back pocket this uh, installation date hold. And I, I think that this is such gold, right? So if if we go step one, hey, before I leave the house, I'm going to put together that final estimate for you. Then we go step two. If those numbers look good, let's call the office and we can check the next available installation date. So many customers, I would say like a lot of customers, they will have you check that date. Now, if they've looked at a price tag of 8,000 bucks or 10,000 bucks or 12,000 bucks and they say, can you check the date? I mean, that's an implication that they're considering spending this amount of money with you. But 
Yep. When you give them that date and you say, yeah, so, you know, whatever it is, January 15th is our, is our next available installation or November 5th or whatever it is. Then you say, do you want to go ahead and get on the schedule? If the customer says no, you talked about how in your back pocket, you put a hold on that date. I'd love for you to explain that. Yeah. So if they like the date, but they don't want to get it on the schedule today. Okay. That's fine. We've got to first uncover why, why we're not ready to make a decision. That's something I'm still totally learning how to do yeah. in most situations. Um, cause that's a difficult question, but most times I think people like, you know, in my experience, well, I'm, I really need to talk this over with my husband that's right. or I need to run this by the box lady, you know? Yep. Okay, great. I get it, dude. I would never make a $10,000 decision without my wife's approval. Um, what do you think about me holding this date for you for 24 hours? That way you and the wife have ample time to discuss things, talk it over. So you can call me and ask questions, but that way you don't lose the date. I think inserting a little bit of urgency yeah. in the schedule date, especially as we get closer to probably everybody's busy season, it ends up leading you into more sales. And almost every time I've gotten to that point with the 24 hour hold, if they say yes, they call me the next day. <laughs> I don't have to call them. Yeah. So, so good. You know, I mean, just like you said, I mean, I can count on one hand the number of purchases I've made over $10,000. Like it's not a lot. And for me to make that call without my wife, are you kidding me? No way. Like it doesn't matter what you give me and what incentive or value you have. It's not happening, right? Because I want to stay married. And so yeah. what you said is so good about urgency. So like I think in sales, urgency and scarcity are very, very powerful tools that absolutely can be abused. But when used very delicately and in the right context, they can help a decision be made. And that's kind of the whole thing with this is like, if you were to ask me what the definition of sales is, I really think that sales is communicating wisdom to bring people to the point of a decision. That's what sales is. Like whatever decision they make, that's on them, right? My job is not to arm wrestle them into making a decision, but my job is to communicate wisdom persuasively to bring them to the point of a decision. And scarcity and urgency, when used the right way, bring people to the point of a decision. And I'm just thinking about, it's kind of that same push-pull as, hey, there's an off-ramp, but if you don't take it, we're going to go here and this will solve your problem. You know, to be able to say to the customer, hey, I've got this installation date, do you want to get it on the books? Many people right there will get it on the books, but many people like me or you would say, oh man, you know, I really appreciate this. I, I got to talk to my wife and, and I'll let you know. So to be able to come back and say, hey, that's no problem at all. I, I totally get that. I'm, I'm married and, and I, I absolutely understand that. You know, what, what our company can do is, is we can actually hold this date for 24 hours. So that way you can talk with your wife and if it's okay, I'll, I'll circle back with you tomorrow just to make sure that you don't want to take advantage of the date before we have to give it to somebody else. And I feel like that is pushing it forward, but it's putting a, a date on it that like you get 24 hours, otherwise the date gets lost. And that's legitimate. Like after 24 hours, that date is going to go to the next person that wants it. And I think it's working with the customer at their pace, but it is because of the time saying, 
it's time to make a decision. And if that decision's no, that's okay. You're just going to give up that scheduled date. And I think that's so powerful. Yeah, I, I think that you leave yourself more room to continue the conversation than if, you know, you just end the conversation with, no, I don't want to get this on the books today. I mean, how do you move forward from there yeah. without without sounding salesy, yeah. you know? Yeah, I'm totally with you. And I'm just thinking about it from the customer's perspective. You know, I've had a number of home service professionals out to my house over the last few years, and we actually got a new roof this year. And when we got the roof, it was a really high pressure closed situation. And one of the things that I, that I told them at the very beginning is I said, hey, you know, thanks for coming out. Uh, they were asking questions about the roof and actually doing a really good job of kind of trying to understand my problem. But one of the things I said at the beginning is I said, you know, uh, I'm really unfamiliar with this. I've never bought a roof. And, and so just so you guys know, we're going to be getting probably three estimates on this. And I don't know if I'm going to pick the highest or the lowest, but we're just trying to do our research just so that you know. So, so they knew that that was what I said, but when it came time for the close, they are like strong arming me. They're pulling out all these tactics of like, let me call my manager. Like, let me see what I can do for you. Like, if I can lower this price by $2,000, will you make a decision right now? And, and at one point, the guy literally said, well, I mean, man, if I had a nickel for, you know, every customer that said they wanted to think about it and never called me back, I'd be a millionaire. And I'm like, dude, why are you telling me this? Like, are you just telling me that you never follow up with your customers? You know, but the point is they totally disrespected what I wanted for the buying process, which is I want to know the value you offer and I'm going to compare that against the market and if your value is better, I'll pick you. And and now in, in their case, I would have been okay with them making a, a, like a pass at the close. Hey, so here's the price. Um, you know, if you want me to hold the date or like we do have a deal, like if you'd make a decision, like just for today, it's this. I'm okay with that. But when I say no, I'm going to get a few bids instead of doubling down on me saying exactly this, like, hey, that's no problem. You know, we can actually hold this date for you for 24 hours or for 48 hours. Um you know, or, or, you know, I'll, I'll hold this date until after you get your next bid and then I'll, and then I'll check in with you afterwards. I would have been very fine with that because that would have showed that they respected the way that I wanted to buy. And I think that the kind of like the push pull of that 24 hour hold does the same thing. Yeah. hundred percent. So you were saying that you've had people literally call you the next day. Yeah. Yeah. The first time I ever tried this thing out, I, I had the guy literally call me the next morning <laughs> say, Hey man, we talked about it. We've got a green light. Let's get it on the books. And that's all it took. And I was, you know, sold on that part of the process. I try to implement it on every call that I go to. I have not perfected it by any, by any means. Um, but I, I do like leaving the house feeling like I know where the call is going to progress if I don't get a sale. Yeah. And this method, this step has been the most helpful thing for me in that regard. That's so cool. You know, and I think shifting focus to the retail showroom, again, there's a three-step process and it depends on the business model of your company. But in the showroom, we want to give customers a path to follow as well. So like, you know, for me, I have always believed in doing free in-home visits. And I mean, people do charge for them and that's, and that's okay. But if I own a retail store and I'm only coming out to bid the gas insert, they're not hiring me to come out and sweep the chimney. Like They just want to know, is this going to work in my house? To me, I feel like if you charge for that or if you require a deposit for that, it's pretty easy to sell against you. Because if you go somewhere and someone's like, 
yeah, we'll charge you, you know, 300 bucks to come out and it's refundable. If you, if you buy the job, we'll credit it towards that. To me, like what I would do, if someone told me that I would be like, wait, so they're going to charge you $300 just to come out and tell you how much the thing they're trying to sell you costs. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good business to be in, you know, and I might say it more delicately than that, but it's kind of the truth. If the retailer's not being hired to sweep the chimney, you know, and I, and I get it. Like, I, I totally get that if your business does that, that's fine, but you better have a story to defend why it costs 150 bucks or 200 bucks. Because somebody like me, if I hear about that, is going to go, well, you know, we're going to come out for free. We don't want to take any money until we know this is safe, until we know it's going to work and it's a good fit. And then we can definitely take a deposit and move ahead. So for me, like that goes into kind of story-based selling. You better have a story if you're going to take half down before coming out or if you're going to take... Uh, you know, uh, charge 75 bucks or 150 bucks to come to come look at it. So all that to say, assuming that your company does free in-home visits in the showroom, for me, the process that I like, the three-step process I explained, step one is an estimate, step two is an in-home visit, and step three is an installation. So what I love to do is on the showroom floor, after talking through the wood stove or the gas insert or the log set, saying exactly what we just did. Hey, Mr. Smith, you know, it looks like this gas log set is going to be a really good fit for your home. And just because people don't buy fireplaces every day, I'd love to explain the way that all of our jobs work. It's, it's three basic steps. Step one, before you leave today, I'll, I'll put together an estimate range for this project. So that way you've got a really good idea of about what it's going to cost. Step two, if those numbers look good, we can send one of our technicians out to take a look at it. And our, our whole tech team is really good. They're certified. And they're going to take a look at this to make sure it's going to be safe for your home. And they'll confirm the exact amount of that project. And then step three, if you feel comfortable moving ahead, we'll go ahead and get this thing scheduled so that way you can enjoy your fireplace. So it's, it's very similar, but step one is the estimate. Step two is the in-home visit. And step three is the installation. Now, in the showroom... I always try to give a range, never a hard number. It's not the end of the world to give a, if you give a hard number, but in a showroom, we're operating off of their information, not my information, right? If I'm you, Jonah, and yeah. I'm out at the house, I'm operating off of my information firsthand. I can nail down that price. But I like giving a range because A, I haven't been there, and you can tell that to the customer. I haven't been out there yet, but based on everything you're saying, I think that this is about where you're going to be. That's a very reasonable path of logic to follow an exact number is also very easy to shop where a range is much tougher to shop and a range leaves something on the table they need the in-home visit to confirm but it also lets you know if their ballpark is totally different than yours you're going to find that out right away because again if you offer a free in-home visit and you give them a price range and they say no to the free in-home visit it's because they have a problem with your price you've uncovered that yellow light and you can go into it the other thing i like with it is i like to say yeah, so here's the way our jobs work. Step one, before you leave today. And and kind of also at the house, like, hey, step one, like, hey, before I leave today, I'm going to put this estimate together for you. And the reason I do that is actually to hold myself accountable. Like, if I don't say that, everything in me sometimes, if I'm rushed, if I got another job to go to, it's so easy for me to say, oh, yeah, like, I'll put this together for you, and then we can get an in-home visit. But when I say, before you leave today, I'll get you this estimate range, so that way you understand approximately what it will cost, it puts me on the hook, and it's also the most reasonable thing in the world. I mean, they came into the showroom to see what the flipping thing costs, so they may as well walk out with an idea of what it costs, you know? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Do you get a lot of homeowners that go through the showroom process and then want to figure out a way to buy there today? 
Some do. Yeah, some do. And th- and this is, you know, different businesses can do this differently. One of the value wedges that we would play, and I'm not saying this is right, but this is the way that we would play it, is in general, unless it was a cash and carry sale, if it was an installed sale, we would not take money in the showroom. And and we would actually wait until we were at the house to close. Um, I totally understand that that is leaving money on the table. Is there hot to trot? What I found, though, is that, again, when you're sight unseen... You don't know what you're walking into and, and you might have a great idea, but if they've given you money and there's a delay or something changes, the tension of that customer is ratcheted up tenfold versus if you haven't taken money yet. And for me, like if they literally wanted to give me money today, I would, I would say like, well, you know what we want to do? We want to wait until we've seen it, until we're sure that this is safe. It's a good fit, that there's nothing we've missed in our conversation. I'll tell you what though. You know, our estimator's booked out about two weeks. If, if you're ready to go on this, I'll see if he can swing by tomorrow on his way home from work. Like, so I will expedite the estimator's schedule to drive that. Um, but that was, a, that was a value wedge that we played. I'm not saying that everybody should do that. I, you know, if you want to take the money, that's fine. But that was the way that we played that. Yeah, that's super interesting. I'm enjoying learning about the other side of this business that I, you know, don't get to hear a lot about being on the service side. Yeah. You know, and it's funny, I think, and again, going back to like, to the estimate, I I was actually talking to Alan Rush about this. I think it was last season on the podcast that many sales are lost because the estimate is not provided in the showroom or it's not finalized at the home. And I I think it's so easy. Dude, I've done this a million times. Like I've done a million in-home estimates where I have said, oh yeah, let me go back to the office and crunch the numbers. And every time... It was a fear tactic because either I was rushed, I didn't want to look stupid, or I didn't set a proper expectation with the customer of how long the appointment would take, so I'm running over. But if you can set that expectation, like, yeah, the reason that we're coming out is we're going to confirm the number of this, and then we can we can check the, the schedule and, and get you in. When you set that expectation, I think customers respond really positively to it. Dude, that's so true. And I don't, I don't know who to give credit to this, whether it's somebody at our company or maybe Alan Rush. Um, We've always talked about sales in our company is basically divided into thirds. 33% of the people that we see are going to buy from us regardless. They've done their research. We're likable people. We've got that experience. You know, we check all the boxes. That's who our customer base is. 33% lay down sale. They're on the spot or follow up. Yep. You know, they're going to do business with us. And then you got another 33% that you actually kind of have to work for, you know, there's some truths that need to get uncovered. You've got to do your due diligence. Um, they maybe need to be worked with on a couple extra levels yeah. than other people are willing to, to work with them. And then you've got 33% of people that are just flat out, never going to do business with you. You're either too high or too low, or you're too attractive or you're too ugly. <laughs> I mean, it just, it doesn't matter yep. what they're never going to do, yeah. you know? And so, what we like to say is we like to work in that 33 to 66 range. Yes. If we can get more customers in that range, then, then that's, that's when we're separating, you know, the, the good sales from the, the bad sales or. Yeah. Yeah. You're moving from yeah. good to great there. I, I love that, man. I yeah. love that because I, I think, and I can't speak to the chimney side, but I will say, I think on the hearth retail side, our industry has limped along on the 33%. They're going to come in and buy from you 
no matter what. It's up to you to lose it. As long as you're not a jerk, like they're going to buy it from you. And I think that that is honestly where most retailers are. I say most, not all, because there, there are there are really good retailers that are going after that 33 to 66%. But I think that it's easy to be an order taker because our products are in demand enough, right? Imagine on the sweep and service side, I mean, they're calling you out because they got a problem. And many of those people, they will just like, they want the solution. So if you can be somewhat competent to show that you can do it, they're going to buy from you. But like, what about the people that don't have to buy? And that is where, you know, a sales process is, is incredibly powerful. Yeah. And I know Ryan Hall is tremendous at follow-up. The other thing with this fourth step that I love is at the, at the very end, if, if we don't get a sale right there on the spot, if we get a 24 hour hold on the customer or not, I at least know about what's holding them up on yeah. making a decision. hundred percent. And so I can move right into setting in advance and then having something to talk about when I call them back outside of, oh, hey, <laughs> Mr. Owens, I'm just following up with you. Like nobody wants to hear that. Oh, yeah. So, but another really big helpful point and to what we what we're talking about that's how you get more of those jobs in that that second third yeah yeah that's exactly it it's like the the best follow-up is the one that you plan and the one that you have a reason for you know so like when you know the holdup is yeah you know i i need to talk to my wife so you put that 24-hour hold on it and you call the next day Hey, Jonah, this is Tim calling you back. I know you wanted to talk to your wife. I just wanted to check in before we had to give that date to somebody else. That's a great reason to call, you know, or they say, oh, not quite ready to check the date yet. Um, I, uh, I'm waiting to get my finances in order and I'm actually getting a bid from another company. Oh, okay, cool. Like, when are you getting that bid? Oh, they're coming out next week. Okay, awesome. Well, hey, like, would it be okay if I called you, I don't know, say, say the day after they come out just to compare our numbers with theirs? Like, that's a really intelligent reason to make the follow-up call. And, there, and there's so many reasons to, to call and follow up. I, I love that, man. Well, Jonah, this has been great. I, I love talking with you because it's just so cool to hear your, like, actual boots-on-the-ground experience. And to summarize it, I mean, what we're saying is customers don't know the way forward. And there's a lot of fear to make a decision. So when you can lay your cards on the table, and it would literally be just like a doctor, right? I'm nervous about a procedure I'm going in for. And the doctor goes, hey, Tim, don't worry. I do a thousand of these a year. Here's how they work. Step one, we do yeah. this. Step two, we do this. Step three, we do this. And dude, your problem is going to be solved. It's, it's the exact same thing. Hey, here's the way that all of our chimney service jobs work. Here's the way that all of our fireplace jobs work. Step one, step two, step three. And then that sets up step five of the sales process, which is the call to action. And I feel like if we line out these steps in the process, dude, the call to action just becomes the easiest thing in the world. Yeah, hundred percent. It's been a complete game changer for me and a bunch of other people in our company. Well, Jonah, this has been awesome, man. I appreciate you. And thanks a ton for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Tim. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Jonah. I got a ton out of it. And man, I think there's a lot there. To, to wrap this up, I, I really want to dive into the, the nuance of how I approach this step in the showroom and then also in the customer's home. You know, you heard us talk about it. Step one, you do this. Step two, you do this. Step three, you do this. And the reason this is so important is that customers are coming to you as the expert. 
Really, like they believe you're the expert. That's why they're in your store and that's why they've invited you into their home. And they're looking for direction. So when you as the professional, when you as the expert can say, hey, we've helped a lot of people do the same thing and here's exactly what you have to do. Step one, we do this. Step two, we do this. And step three, we do this. And if we can do those things, your problem's gonna be solved. That clarity is something that draws customers in like a magnet. And what I found is that as often as I can, I try to give customers a path to follow, a step one, a step two, and a step three. And and that focuses our brains. So now we can see the end in sight and we understand the steps to get there. Now, okay, so here's, here's the way that I do it. When I'm in the showroom, after we have talked about the product, service, or appliance, and momentum is built up, the customer's thinking, yeah, like this could solve my problem. I'll say something to the effect of, hey, awesome, so it looks like this brand X fireplace could be a really good fit for your home for all the reasons that we talked about. Now, I'd love to explain the way that all of our jobs work, just because buying a fireplace can be a little bit confusing. So step one, before you leave today, I'll write up an estimate for you so that way you understand approximately what this is going to cost. Now, step two, if that price range looks good, we can send our estimator out to your house to take a look at it, and they're going to go over everything to make sure there's nothing that we miss in our conversation, and they'll confirm the exact dollar amount for that job after they've seen it firsthand. And then step three, if you feel comfortable moving ahead, we'll go ahead and get this scheduled so that way you can start enjoying your new fireplace. So that's how I'll do it. And again, so notice the psychology of this. We'll affirm that this product or service is going to solve their problem. Hey, so it looks like this fireplace is going to be a really good fit for your home for all the reasons that we just discussed. Okay, we affirm why this is a solution. Then we say, so what I'd love to do is explain the way that all of our jobs work, just because buying a fireplace isn't something that you do every day. Okay, so, so it's, like, it's like the doctor saying, hey, don't worry, I do 200 of these surgeries a year. Let me explain how the process works, right? We're establishing our credibility. Hey, buying a fireplace isn't something that people do every day, so let me just explain the way that all of our jobs work. Then we go, step one, before you leave today, I'll write up an estimate range for your project so that way you understand approximately what it's going to cost. So notice this, step one, before you leave today, I'm going to do this for you. And the way that I, I say that, I, it's like I'm doing them a favor, which I am, right? I'm not just saying I'm going to write up an estimate for you. I'm saying I'm going to write up an estimate range for this project so that way you understand about what it's going to cost. There's a direct benefit to them where if they leave without that, they don't know the price range of the project, right? So before you leave today, I'll write up an estimate range for this project so that way you've got a good understanding of, of what it's going to cost. Now, step two, if those numbers look good, we'll go ahead and send our estimator out to the house. Now, now notice in step two, if those numbers look good. So if those numbers don't look good, we don't have to go any further. It's giving the customer reassurance that they have an out. But it's also testing the waters like we are saying, we're going to find out if these numbers look good, right? And, and if the customer commits to step two, like they are saying, that price range looks good to some degree, okay? So if those numbers look good, We'll go ahead and send our estimator out to your house to take a look at it, but we don't, we don't stop there. We give the benefit to them. They're going to look everything over and just make sure there's nothing that we missed in our conversation today, and they'll confirm the exact amount of your job, right? So we're saying there's things that are unknown. You're in the showroom. 
So we'll send the estimated route to make sure there's nothing that we missed, right? We don't want to uncover a, like a safety concern, but when we get there for the install, like we want to make sure that we go over everything because it's your home and it matters. And we'll confirm the exact amount, right? So we're moving from a range in the showroom to an exact amount at the house. This is so powerful when you can give a range in the showroom, an accurate range, mind you, but when you can give a range in the showroom, by the way, giving a range on your website does the same thing. And then you lead to an in-home visit where you confirm the number at the house. It pushes all the momentum to make a decision at the house. It's really powerful. And then step three, if you feel comfortable moving ahead, we'll go ahead and get this thing scheduled so you can start enjoying your new fireplace. Okay. Step three, and if you feel comfortable, the implication being, if you don't feel comfortable, you don't have to go any further, but if you feel comfortable, we'll get this scheduled. And what's the benefit for them? So that way you can start enjoying your new fireplace. Now, I might have different variations of this depending on the customer, depending on the situation, but that's the framework for my process. And I'm telling you, it really starts to hone in momentum where you can find out where the yellow lights are, where your obstacles are, and you can remove roadblocks for the customer to commit and make a decision to go to the next step. You know, we're going to talk about this next week, but when you lay out the steps for the customer, it removes a lot of the fear, right? Because they know what's coming. This is you literally laying your cards on the table and saying, I'm not hiding anything from you. Here's the way our jobs work. Step one, step two, step three. Now the customer knows what's coming. So when you ask them to take action on step one, chances are they're going to do it. So I, I really believe in this. And, and as we talked about in the conversation, when you're in the home, the steps are slightly different. Step one is still, hey, before I leave today, I'm going to finalize this quote for you. So that way you've got an exact idea of what this is going to cost. Step two is, if those numbers look good, we can call the office and we can check our next available installation date. And then step three if you feel comfortable moving ahead, we'll go ahead and get this in the schedule. You don't give the install date until you've showed them the numbers. After you show them the numbers, hey, so this is going to be $9,543, or this is going to be $6,218, this is going to be $12,432. Should we call the office and check the next available installation date? Again, this is a very soft close. Like, if they say yes, looking at that price tag, I mean, they are ready to spend that money. They're at least considering it. That tells you something. It moves them forward. But if they say no, it's telling you that your price is an obstacle and now you have a chance to dive into why. And you could do that with grace and with tact. Now, as we discussed, you call the office and I recommend calling the office in front of the customer. Don't put it on speakerphone. That's that's a weird level of pressure that's not not fun for anybody. But I would call the office in front of the customer and just say, hey, I'm out at Mrs. Smith's house. I'm out at Mr. Smith's house. We're taking a look at this gas insert. And I just wanted to check when our next available installation date is. You know, it's about a six-hour installation. It's this brand, such and such thing. Okay, awesome. Okay, got it. Okay, thanks a ton. Bye. And then you tell the customer, okay, so the office let me know our next available installation date is, you know, whatever it is, December 5th or June 14th. And then you can say to the customer, so yeah, so it's it's December 5th. Did you want to go ahead and get on the schedule? And and they know to get on the schedule, they have to give you money, right? So I'm telling you, often they will say yes, because at the in-home visit, they've cleared their calendar. If you gave them a written down price range in the showroom, they've been thinking about that for a week and a half. They really have been. And, and chances are they're ready to make a decision. But if not, if they want to sleep on it, if their spouse is gone, that's totally fine. And this is where that 24-hour hold comes in. You introduce the scarcity and the urgency 
of the schedule and the hold. And you say, hey, that's no problem at all. I totally understand it. We can hold this date for 24 hours. And so if it's okay, I'll, I'll follow up with you tomorrow just to make sure you don't want this date before we have to give it to somebody else. So you're operating on their terms. You really are. But you're bringing it to a head where one way or another, you know, we're going to find out where this stands tomorrow. And, and just like Jonah said, I mean, people will call you to not have that date fall away. So so scarcity and urgency are very, very important in the sales process. But here's the thing with it. You need to use those sparingly and you need to use them honestly. If like, I'm telling you, make your policy 24 hours. That way when you say, yeah, we can hold it for 24 hours, you're not lying. It's a 24 hour hold. And, and after 24 hours, somebody else gets that spot if they want it. Like use them honestly and use them sparingly but insert those into your sales process. And there's a way to do that ethically and honestly to bring people to the point of making a decision one way or the other. I hope you guys got a ton of value out of that conversation. This step in the process, man, it's one of my favorites. You can start doing it tomorrow and see a difference. Well, hey, if this podcast has been a blessing for you and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website, patreon.com slash it's fire time. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash it's fire time. And this week, you know, you're in the heart of it right now. And, and I would challenge you this week, explain the process of how to do business with you to one of your customers using step one, step two, and step three. And I promise you, good things are going to start to happen. So hope you have an amazing week. We'll talk again very soon. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website, itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by InBloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. I'm all in to burn in. Burn.